0: Hi, everyone. This is Katherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 395. And this week, we actually did what we said we were going to do. We watched the third episode of the new Doctor Who. And I am happy because I was afraid that this episode was going to rip my heart out. But I think for some reason, they wanted to give fans... What I think fans secretly want whenever there's a new doctor, they want there to be a doctor out there in the universe saving everybody. But they also want the doctor to be happy forever and never have to say goodbye to anybody. And yes. that's what we got with this episode. So sorry. Spoilers. Oh, boy. Yeah. it's It was an interesting needle to thread. Here's the thing. When I watched it, I remembered, we've talked before about the very first fan fictions that we ever wrote, uh-huh. and mine was for Friday the 13th, the series, where Ryan Dallion, of course, was de-aged back to a kid with none of his memories, so um, he was off the show, and I was terribly upset, of course, because we shipped Ryan and Mickey, obviously. My story was really like, that all of his like adult memories, anything that was sort of lost by him going back to being a kid, that was actually like like a death. And so you see him kind of like in the antechamber to heaven. And then Mickey, when she realizes that he's gone, a piece of her died as well and met him in the antechamber to heaven. And then they went off to heaven together. That's exactly what happened here. It really is. Yes. And I'm... I'm very pleased. I don't know if anybody thinks it's too fan servicey, but and I think the new doctor, now you got his pronunciation. Yes, yes, it is it's pronounced Shūti Gawa. He's from Rwanda, and he's part of another TV show that I don't know, but he's I mean a lot of people are like, "Oh, he came out of nowhere." He is popular if you watch British television. Yeah, and he's just delightful. I'm he really is. looking forward to his new episodes. Yeah, yeah. And was also, all right, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So we'll do like a real quick recap of the episode. Oddly enough, I, in all of the stuff that was happening about this season, Neil friggin' Patrick Harris was in this episode. I was like, well, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. And when we got to his dance number, Nathan was watching this with me and he said, oh, that's why they got Neil Patrick Harris to do this. Cause I think he embraces the goofiness. Yes, that really was. You had told me that there was a lot of like silly moments without being too embarrassing. I'm like, "Mm, the dance number got, as close to being cringe as anything can. I yeah, think. yeah, I think so. But I think they, I think they threaded that particular needle fairly well. It was just like there was no purpose to that whatsoever other than to have a dance number in a Doctor Who episode, which I think they try yes. to do every once in a while. Yes, true. Uh, I've got some random notes. When they were flying into the unit tower, when they picked up the Doctor and Donna, what did you think that tower looked like? Oh, my God, it looked like Stark's tower, the Avengers. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> completely. That had to have been intentional, right? I mean, it was like spot It on. really was. Even the shape of the building. I mean, I know having a helipad will you know dictate some of the shape of the building, but even the shape but the rest of the building looked like Stark Tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the next note that I have is I need to research who Melanie is, and I figured you would know better than I would. Yes, actually, um, Nathan knew right away she is a companion for the 6th and 7th Doctor, although they've updated some of the pages to say that she's been a companion of the 6th, 7th, and... 14th Doctor now, so that's very cute, but yeah, Nathan said she wasn't all that popular of a companion when she was around, but I'm just like, how many companions from that era are still alive now? Right, right. Oh, they even made a mention at one point because they're talking, there's a lot of references about how the Doctor does tend to go through companions and they don't always end up very well. But somebody said something about how oh it was I think it was the new doctor uh-huh. who told him something about Sarah Jane is gone and I don't know David Tennant's doctor kind of looked at him quickly and I was wondering if David Tennant's doctor was aware of that I don't know no no I think he he just like stared at him and said I loved her and I think that was Aww. something that they had to you got to give a shout out to Sarah Jane because I don't know that she's had one since the actress passed away it's true it's really true oh man but yeah there was a whole scene where they were listening. All of the different companions the doctors had, and something about how this blah blah blah. And he's like, "Well, she's her consciousness is still alive. Well, that's all right then." It's like, true. There's a lot of like justifications for the fact that they're not alive on this plane. And no, no. And I think Neil Patrick Harris did a good job. I think the German accent got a little much sometimes, mm. but then I think mm. it made it that much more menacing when he would drop the German accent and just talk yes. directly. So that that worked yes. out well i love any kind of element where it's like the bad guy has to follow the rules and they'll they'll yes. find any loophole they possibly can but the idea of a bad guy that loves games. So he will always follow the rules of the game. And that's just not even a question that he's going to cheat because this is important. And I just, I love that sort of thing. Oh, yes, I definitely do. I thought when they revealed who he was when the doctor went in there and he said, who is he? He's the toy maker. I I got so, just the best set of chills when he said that, even though I have no no idea who the character is whatsoever. This was this was such a gift to people who have been fans of the show since way back when, because he was like one of the first bad guys, I think. I mean, it looked like some of the little flashback images that you got was of the first doctor. So yeah. that was, uh, yeah, that is quite a callback right there. So, mm-hmm. and kind of terrifying what he can do. I mean, yes, it was all goofy and everything, but he literally turned a couple of guards into balls, and you could see on one of them the guard's face just screaming, and that was oh. that was kind of scary. Nathan said Russell T. Davis can create some disturbing images for these episodes. Yes, absolutely he can. Some really cool images, too. I mean, the scene when they rush out of the toy maker shop, and the shop just folds in on itself. Oh, I love stuff like that. That's so cool. <laughs> well, when um the toy maker just like they have a card game and the doctor loses but the doctor pointed out he won the card game the last time and one of the rules you've got to follow is best of three so yeah. the toy maker says oh yes best of three we'll make it 2023 and everything starts shaking and the doctor says Donna and Donna says I'm already running <laughs> I love that hallway that they were going through. It's another, like, sort of like a timey-wimey type of thing and everything where it's just one long, endless hallway that opens on to endless hallways, and it just it doesn't make any logical sense because that's just one of the things the toy maker can do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost sort of a... Um gosh, what is it, a bigger on the inside thing, which Donna tried Mm -hmm. to equate that to the TARDIS. And the doctor said something like the toy maker would take that kind of technology from the TARDIS and throw it away. It's like he's Mm -hmm. much more powerful than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, There was a lot of technobabble in this episode. I think I followed most of it, but it had a lot to do with what exactly was causing everybody on the planet to automatically think that they were right above anything else. And that was the toy makers thing. Some of the explanations for how it worked and how it could be stopped started to get a little beyond me, but um, yeah, that was fine. Well, yeah, there was, you know, they were talking about the fact that everybody thinks they're right. And if you try to argue with them, they go crazy. And then the doctor talking about, yes, there's something influencing humanity to always think that they're right, but that anger and that hatred, that's yours already. Ready. They didn't he didn't yep. have to put that into humanity. And I think the toy maker starts crowing about all the delicious things that people can do, like canceling and getting offended and everything. I just leaned over to Nathan message. Here's the message. Don't miss the message. Yeah. That, that wasn't particularly subtle, but it was also not wrong. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, go onto Twitter Mm -hmm. at any time of day and you will find people whose only purpose is to fight with somebody who's being wrong on the internet. That's right. Though, And that did sort of play into the idea of like the rule maker, the toy maker, his rules and everything, because he's blowing people up and he's got a hold of the gun and everything. And David Tennant saying, you know, we're supposed to do best out of three, best out of three. And that, what's the word, like a rules lawyer thing where the toy maker says, yes, the first game was against the other doctor and the second game was against you. So that means the third game has to be against the The next next doctor. doctor. And he shoots him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, And it was a very, very touching Regeneration scene right up into the moment when the doctor says it's different this time. And Nathan said, I think that was that might have been the sixth doctor or the fifth doctor. Yeah, it's the fifth doctor, yes, who said that when he was regenerating into the sixth doctor. Oh, so Nathan realized Nathan thought that was a little nod to the um fifth doctor. That and the fact that the fifth doctor is his father-in-law, David Tennant's father-in-law, which is because nah. he, he married the fifth doctor's daughter and the fifth doctor's daughter played David Tennant's daughter in an episode with the 10th Doctor. Oh my god, so timey-wimey. Oh my god, it's like the best kind of timey-wimey incest going on right there. I mean, <laughs> whoa! But yeah, so it, they ended up, like, pulling on his arms and splitting him apart from the new Doctor, and that's what we were talking about, that we have a brand new Doctor, but the old Doctor is still here, and he has a TARDIS too! I love that scene. The new Doctor, like, takes out a giant mallet and smacks the TARDIS, and another TARDIS just sort of branches off from it. I'm like, all right, that was cool. That was very cool, yes. I love, I just, I mean, the imagery with the TARDIS is always spot on in these last few episodes. Like when the Doctor and Donna are being taken to unit's headquarters via helicopter and they've got the TARDIS on a long, long string that they're carrying it through the sky. Yes. I just yes. love that. Oh, that looks so good. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, so we got like this, I don't know, there was a lot of the new Doctor really comforting uh david tennant's doctor just telling him because the idea is is that i don't know they kept on talking about how you're thin as a rail and everything i'm like "Mm, david tennant is pretty scrawny nowadays but it was that he's been working himself to death he's never given him a chance to stop and this new doctor was all about just being very comforting gave him a hug and a kiss on the forehead and everything just just i don't know some kind of like it's like self-care almost. You it really know? does feel like it, yes. And it's this whole idea that the Doctor couldn't stop. And, of course, you've got to have the Doctor saving the universe, so now he can stop because the Doctor is also going to be out there saving the universe. So yeah. I think I like that very much actually it's it's too, silly, yeah. and of course it's almost like everybody in heaven by the ending because it's you know Donna and her husband and her daughter and her mom and uh, Melanie actually showed up, and then the doctor yes. is there too, and you know donna's father isn't there because he's out shooting at moles, but it's okay because the doctor gave the moles a force field so they'll be safe because he loves the moles and it's just like Aww. you had to have a little bit of a nod to Wilfred, even though the actor didn't live long enough to and they, they had to shoot around him yes, like like Donna in the very beginning when they're going through all this chaos of everybody fighting with each other and she's pushing somebody on a wheelchair but there's so much chaos, it's harder to see that you never actually get a good look at who's in the wheelchair and then when the unit people come in and say you've got to come with us and she tells them get him to safety it doesn't matter about us just make sure my grandfather father or grandfather it's a grandfather thing I think it's her grandfather yeah yeah yeah, yeah make sure he gets to safety and that's the last you see of him so and I, I I'm a tiny bit you know I love the fact that Donna is back and got her memories and everything's fine now. but I did have an idea ages ago about a piece of fan fiction that I never got a chance to write and because I couldn't I knew I was going to have to do a whole establishing scene with Donna getting into a sniping fit with her mother around Christmas time and you know having to go outside to where Wolford is so she can like get a breath of fresh air. So anyway, she's out there talking with. Wilfred and Wilfred is feeling kind of bummed, but he can't really tell Donna why because, of course, Donna can't remember anything without the whatever exploding her brain. So he comes up with this story about, you know, how he was just thinking about someone that he knew back in the war and that Wilfred had found some poor you know, nameless soldier who was stuck on a landmine and Wilfred like managed to get him scooted off by trading places with him. But then he was stuck and then his friend had to sacrifice himself for him and how he always feels just really kind of guilty about that. And then Donna says, oh, would your friend have saved the other soldier? He's like, what? He's like, he wouldn't have let the other soldier die, would he? And he's like, no, he wouldn't. She said, "Well, instead of sacrificing himself for somebody unknown, he sacrificed himself for his friend." And there'll be some like hint of, you know, the power glowing in her eyes, where you can tell that she's she's speaking from sense, but also from a little bit of memory. And it's just like because oh. I could imagine that Wilfred felt bad about that—that that he was the reason oh, why sure. Tennant's doctor had to sacrifice himself. And I'm like, well, I mean, yeah, but still, I know that's why I loved that. <laughs> He just, the actor really did sell that he was so happy to see the Doctor again, especially with that same face. Yes. And it's just, oh, what a wonderful thing, you know, to be like, everything's fine. <laughs> oh, oh, so yeah. And then they, you know, the new Doctor went off into space with his... TARDIS that now has a jukebox in it because of course. Of course so it does, yes. And I yeah. I told Nathan also when the new doctor is there adjusting all the controls and flying the TARDIS. I'm just Thinking, imagine being a British actor and getting the role of the doctor in Doctor mm-hmm. Who. How terrifying and amazing that must be to just, you're the mm-hmm. doctor now and you get to fly the TARDIS and everybody loves <gasps> you because you're the doctor. Oh, God. What a dream. <laughs> but yeah, that's now we've got the uh, the Christmas episode we got to watch. Yes, um, yes. Try to do that mm-hmm. sometime before summertime, if at all possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, that would be nice. It's with our, we're not that great at. TV, but we seem to be getting a little better sometimes. Eh, maybe just a smidge. Yeah, of course, there were things I could have watched yesterday, but you know what I started watching randomly? What was that? The uh, the original movie, Taken, with Liam Neeson. Oh, wow. I haven't watched that in ages. I haven't either, and I'm really enjoying it. I, I started it too late, so I didn't finish it last night. I'll finish it tonight. But it is so funny how I'm like... <sighs> It really kind of leans into the patriarchy, you know? It's just the it's a man's job to protect his daughter's virginity. And everything bad that happens to a woman in this movie is because she didn't listen to her father. And they kept on telling him that he was too strict and it had too many rules. And what happens? She gets kidnapped into slavery. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I don't know. I mean, and that and the fact that the people who kidnapped her are Albanians. I'm like... It's the brown people stealing the white women to sell them into sex slavery. I don't know that this movie has aged well. I don't think it has. I remember being very delighted by it when I first saw it because I did not see Liam Neeson as being a convincing action hero, and he really manages to pull it off. Oh, and everything that I loved about the movie the first time, I'm loving now. I mean, just, you've got the, what is it, the pop singer that they're trying to get her into a safe space and everything, and someone comes in, you know, the, the- gates where they, you know, keep the audience out, head broken, and the audience is pouring in, and Liam Neeson's rushing around, and somebody comes at her with a knife, and he just, and he's got the guy on the floor. I went, oh, I'm going to rewind and watch that again. That was cool. So yeah, I love stuff like that. I remember also liking the scene where the pop star is just, they managed to get her into the limo, and she breaks down in tears, and he has to comfort yes. her. I'm like, oh, that was also good. It was so, yeah, no, I love a lot of things. I just started sort of parsing it in my head, I'm just like, hmm, if you think about it a little too much, but at the same time, it's like, what? I guess the only thing that you could really complain about is that the women in this movie have no agency whatsoever. You know, they're just, but that's, you know, I don't need a woman to be a main character and I don't have a problem with a guy rescuing a woman. I'm just sort of watching and every, it's, it's like, every woman's job to do something wrong so they can get saved. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think Nathan and I even talked about that when we first watched it years ago with this idea that, wow, now Liam Neeson's character gets to hold it over his ex-wife forever that he yeah. wanted to do one thing and she decided to do another and it almost got their daughter like forever trapped in slavery in another country. So it's just like, uh, any, uh, any kind of question about what school to go to or, or whether or not she needs to be a to date this new guy. I mean, Leoneson's gonna be like, well, you did get our daughter trapped into slavery. <laughs> oh God. Oh god. It's fun. I don't wanna I don't wanna be like a killjoy and everything and say it's not fun. I love that movie when it first came out and I'm enjoying it now. It's just sometimes, yeah, you, know, you gotta look at it through a different lens sometimes. But yes, anyway. Well, anyway. I just uh, recently finished and posted a review of that graphic novel that you got me, um, The Nice House on the Lake wow, what a book. Oh my gosh. I mean, that is... It is so dark. So dark. But it's just... I mean, so many things that you can run with in this story about, you know, a whole bunch of friends who have been placed in a perfect location where they can get anything they want for the rest of their life. They just can't ever leave because the earth has been destroyed. And it's just Mm -hmm. great. And now you get to see how everybody loses their freaking mind as they try to deal with this. So, and I'm wondering when are we going to get another installment of it? Because it's been what, since 2022 that this is? Been yeah, out? I want to say December 22 was when the final issue came out, I think. I know it's been that, uh, what is it, that article that I found saying we were going to get more, that was in January 2023, so it's been a year since the article came and out. And as far as I can tell, that is the one article that has said, oh sure, there's going to be more of it. I mean, there kind of has to because it's like it ended and it was kind of an ending, but every single character who is being interviewed at the beginning of each issue which you pointed out is all a version of how did I get to meet Walter but they're all doing something like various things in a completely post-apocalyptic society they are no longer in the nice house on the lake they are like in complete pure awful survival mode and so we have no idea how they got there we need more information hello there's more story to be told. Yeah because every one of them is in a location that if you look at it long enough you could recognize it as one of the locations from their perfect little home on the lake only everything's in ruins and on fire yeah yeah oh it's terrible so yeah there's gotta be more it's just what's his name um oh the author's name i've got it right here yeah it is alvaro martinez bueno is the artist and james tinian uh the fourth actually the fourth excuse me yes i know i think both of those They're both really well sought after in the world of comics right now. So they probably got a lot of other stuff they're doing. But man, we need to hear some more. Yeah, I get the idea. This was something that they pitched as a kind of like, this is our project. And we want to, you know, this is what we want to do rather than having to do something for like DC or Marvel or something. So this is like their passion project. And unfortunately, with passion projects, you don't always get... A chance to do them right then because you got to earn yeah. your sticks somehow. Yeah, 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 it's true. But speaking of earning your sticks and possibly. Worrying if you deserved them or not. I was on Blue Sky, which yeah, I've made a Threads account and a Blue Sky account. I'm just trying to see where the whole VHS Betamax thing falls out with the uh, Twitter. Right, yeah. But Ursula Vernon is not on. Th- no, she did just recently create a Threads account, but she's really more active on Blue Sky, which is great because I've missed seeing her on Twitter. She made like one small mention about ah, I can't really hang out here, guys. I'm going to be elsewhere. And I actually really applaud the fact that she's never really come back, you know? Yeah, she's never come back, and she didn't, like, make a flounce about, I'm leaving forever, because there's been a surprising number of people who said that they're going to leave forever, and they end up posting more. I can appreciate her sticking to her guns and not making a huge fuss about it. Yes, yes. But, of course, she was on Blue Sky, and she won a Hugo this year. Yes, she did. But word just came out it's kind of like they list what the voting fell out for, for the various stories, books, whatever. And not just the final vote, but the nomination votes, because people get yes. to nominate, and so they count out how many people wanted this particular one to be in the shortlist for a Hugo. Yeah. Now, there are some shenanigans with the votes that I haven't parsed out yet, because I don't know how all of that works. Uh, have like this grid, you know, and it was the ratios I guess if you know what you're looking for the ratios look really suspect but what really caught people's attention are there are at least 3 authors who had their books nominated and then they had them disqualified now that happens every once in a while it turns out there was at one point I think even this year there was one person whose work got nominated but they were on the Hugo board and so they were like oh well you're not eligible cuz you're on the board but 3 people were deemed not eligible, so no one could vote for them anymore. And there are no explanations for why it happened. And this year, the Hugos were in China and subject to China's censorship laws. And it's pretty clear that people in China decided for whatever reason, these three people, no, they just can't. And now Ursula Vernon, who won a Hugo, she had one author's work, Babel, I believe is the name Mm -hmm. of the book. And that was one of the disqualified ones. And so now Ursula is just like, oh, that was a really good book. And now I'm wondering if I even deserve the award, which, you know, authors think that shit all the time. They're just like imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. But now she is literally like feeling like she needs to put an asterisk by her name because she's like, I don't know that I deserved it. A better person got disqualified. Yeah. And uh, and I've been looking at the uh, Amazon listing for Babel and it looks like something that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's so many theories going around about why people got disqualified. Like, like, okay so the Sandman TV series it got disqualified yeah. as a whole because its individual episodes got nominated like a lot and yeah, yeah. which uh, it happens you know, but but then the individual episodes did not qualify to win an award either so it's like so it was like a circular reasoning that you can 't nominate the whole because you've nominated so many of the individual episodes, but you can't nominate the individual episodes either. And it's just, so I don't, I don't get what's going on there. I think Dune might've gotten disqualified or the graphic novel for Dune, I think got disqualified. And there's been a lot of people talking about, I think some of the voting things is the fact that There's like these big gaps in between what got nominated for first, second, and third or whatever, and then this gigantic gap between the people who got slightly fewer. Like you'll have 600 and something nominations, and then the very next one got 52 nominations. And it it feels like somebody was going through... And disqualifying or erasing nominations and then just feeding those nominations to ones that they thought were better, which would explain like the big gap there. But everyone's only thinking that it might be LGBTQ with uh, China is kind of restrictive on that. Yeah but there were people that you know had homosexual relationships in the stories that did get the nomination so that doesn't yeah. quite work there's some idea that people who had chinese nationality who weren't actually chinese might have that might have like gotten them disqualified because they don't want people who are no longer nationalist, I don't know. Um there was one story that got disqualified that apparently one of the characters was of the I'm not exactly sure how to explain this, the Uyghur nationality, which is a minority in China, a Muslim minority, that the Chinese government is being accused of genocide of this group. I mean, at the very least, cultural genocide, because they have a bad habit of locking people up in camps and taking their children away so that they can be yeah. raised in something that isn't Uyghur. So that might have gotten them disqualified. Nobody knows, because nobody's explaining. And I think it, it might have been John Scalzi who said, I don't know that... He could understand if there were people in China who were on the board that got pressure from the government to disqualify some people that weren't acceptable. And he's like, I can't fault them for that because their lives could be at risk. Very, you know, at the least their okay. livelihood could be if the government is telling you don't do something and you do it. But there are people who are not Chinese that were on the board that could have, like, given a shout if they saw that happening. But they didn't. There was no sign that this was going to happen or that this did happen. So yeah. I just, I don't know. We have many theories, no real explanation at this point. And it's not even, I mean, yeah, this looks really bad right now. But if you read some of Ursula's comments on Blue Sky today, it sounds like like the Hugo boards and Worldcon in general is really being held together by duct tape at this point. A lot of Byzantine laws that aren't they're they're difficult to enforce and you can kind of like rules lawyer them a little bit and everything. Um, She said something about how she almost volunteered to help with something at one point and then managed to just shake herself away from the edge. And someone commented about running conventions. She's like, yeah, friends don't let friends run conventions. And I'm like, yeah, I've heard that a bunch. Oh my God. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. Um, I obviously bribery is a big problem in, well, everywhere really, but I think in China, especially because It's a communist country, and people really aren't allowed to be rich, but people get rich anyway, and it's got to happen somehow. So, I mean, worst case scenario, people on the board got bribed. Best case scenario, people on the board got threatened. And if there were people who were not Chinese that weren't a direct target, somebody could have said, well, your colleagues' lives are going to be in trouble unless you toe the line. But still, you would think someone would have Sounded the alarm on that. Yeah, and this is, you know, it's WorldCon. It's gonna be held in different places all over the entire world. And not everybody, I mean, obviously we're having a weird problem with free speech in this country right now. Sure. But, you know, other places other places never had any of those guarantees. And apparently Uganda is put in a bid to host WorldCon one year. From what I've heard, Uganda, which has many fine things to recommend it, unfortunately is one of the most restrictive against LGBTQ in all of Africa which is not great, you know? And so it's, I don't know. I mean, there's, because then you start saying, well, well, we can have it in these countries, but we can't have it in these countries. And then we're starting to, I don't know. It's I, The slippery slope is not always a valid argument, but that does seem like a pretty slippery slope. And yet I don't really feel like rewarding people that are being anti-LGBTQ. I'm no, not afraid no. of making that statement. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sorry. Uganda, I think, has the death penalty for people who are gay. And there's yeah. so much diversity in the nominated works. I mean, so much diversity that there are people who think that sometimes you aren't going to get nominated unless you have a gay character or, you know, someone who is a and white or that white authors don't get nominated, which I'm sorry is bullshit because John Scalzi yeah. is white and he and he's a guy and he manages to get nominated a lot. So it's, I, I just don't know. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I think there's going to have to be some changes at this point because it sounds yeah. like something nefarious happened. We just don't have any details. Nope. <laughs> (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. So, more on that as soon as we get more information. I'm sure people are talking about it. I mean, I saw somebody on Blue Sky like cracking their fingernails. Ah, it should be a quiet week in fandom this week. So, no, everybody's up in arms about this one. I don't know. Well, I'm trying to finish um, C.S.E. Cooney's book, uh, Saint Death's Daughter, which is really good, but it's almost 700 pages. So, it's taking me a while to get through it. But I think after I finish that, I might try Babel because I I have to say I hadn't really heard much about it because I mostly just pay attention to who gets nominated for Hugo's. And this one won a friggin' Nebula Award. That's why everyone was so shocked that it didn't even get a nomination. And it looks like it's pretty darn good, so that might have to be on my reading list next. Good. Excellent. I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week, so make sure to check out PixlatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries conventions on the horizon at this point? Anything coming up in your side of the country? No. um, I think God. the next thing that I would pay attention to would be um, either Oak City or Bull City Comic Con. I can never remember which one comes in fall Mm -hmm. and which one happens in spring, but it's like those Emoji Bot feet are going to be done eventually. i got to wear it to a convention (laughs) at least one time for nothing else. And did you have Nathan take a few photos of me so I can say, see, it's done! And then I move on to the next project. Just how it usually happens. Yeah, March is WonderCon. I know Jade is planning on flying back out here. So oh, lovely! That, but yeah, but I don't. Uh, yeah, I feel like I should look up and see if there's like some like homegrown convention I can go to in February, just so I can say I went to one art show convention something every month of the year. I'm sure it's possible. More on that as soon as we find that out and all that and more at com. So, next week we don't have Night Vale yet, which is good because we do have two more episodes of Yee. Laura Olympics. Oh my goodness, I keep looking at the fast pass teaser images and going, "Ah, oh, man." <laughs> so I just I know we're going to have to have some kind of trauma before we get the happy ending. I'm just wanting to get through that trauma so we can have Hades and Persephone happily ever after. Yes, and something horrible happening to Apollo. Yes, please! (laughs) But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. is it is Wilfred right It's his name I, I I uh not hang on we need to look this up because I, f- I feel like Wilfred is close but I don't think that's it hang on hang on come on Doctor Who oh dude come on you know, I probably, there's probably like millions of websites out there that I could have actually uh, checked for this more easily. But uh, let me see. We're in, what are we? Episode season season thirteen of the new series? Nope. Okay, oh. it is Wilfred. I just looked it up. Okay, <laughs> you were okay. taking too long. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, yes. <laughs> Keep going.